0: What's up, everyone? It
1: is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're joined by Todd LaPant of NorCal Vans to discuss transporting the plant we all know and love. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Tom and special guest host, Dustin Robinson, how are you guys doing?
2: I'm doing great, Lauren. Thanks for bringing us on. Uh, And stick around, everybody, because at the end of this, I'm going to figure out, you're going to see how you can get one of these books. Uh, I have two of them going out, uh, one to Donald in Pennsylvania and one to Damon in Kentucky. So, uh, watch until the end. And you're also going to see what the heck is going on in Florida. And thank you so much, Dustin, for being on to help us with that. So, if anybody here is uh, interested in Florida cannabis, please smash those likes and subscribes. And, and Dustin, uh, what is the news out of Florida with their cannabis scene?
3: Well, thank you for having me, Tom. Excited to be here as usual. Um, really enjoyed working with you on some of these Illinois applications, yeah. and I'm I'm back to the good old Florida marijuana industry. Lots going on actually. Um, obviously with some of the stuff going on with the coronavirus, the essential business thing was big in Florida. Big sales. Um, really sales were skyrocketing here in Florida. Um, one of the biggest things going on though right now in Florida is the Florida grown case. So. Essentially, the lower court has deemed our vertically integrated structure to be unconstitutional. The appellate court um, are contrary to the Florida Constitution, and the appellate court has, has affirmed that, and now it's up to the Florida Supreme Court. And uh, early in May, they had oral hearings on that matter. Um, and quite honestly, i talked to a lot of people. I, I watched the oral hearings and I still think it's a 50-50 shot. I think both sides made some pretty decent arguments. Um, and we'll just have to see how the Florida Supreme court, court comes out. I mean, either way, I get a lot of calls. The main question everyone's asking is when will Florida applications open up? And it will be largely dependent on how the Florida Supreme Court rules. I mean, even if the Florida Supreme Court affirms that case, that means the legislator will need to go wait till they go back in session, most likely um, draft a new statute, put out new rules, put out a new application, let people apply, go through the scoring process. And we know, Joey, we've gone through that just just recently with Illinois. We know how long that process can take. So I don't see us um, being, I think we'll be another eight to, to 18 months before we see any additional licenses issued. That is the the... The the question out there um, of when these applications will be issued has created a little bit of fluctuation on the valuation of some of these licenses. But quite honestly, the values are still holding strong. I mean, they're not where they were a couple years ago at $67 million. Um, but I'm starting to see more deals going through. There was a recent deal, probably I think the last one was the Green Growth Brands, which was in the 40s but the deal flow i'm seeing right now is in the the low 30s i think we'll start seeing it get into the high 20s over the uh the next couple months
2: yeah the price of licenses tends to decline but i really can't wait until florida opens up so that a lot more entrepreneurs can get into florida and if the supreme court does uh open up the state for additional license offerings i hope that you uh You know, and I've I've read some of your your blog posts where you actually do advocate for the model that Illinois used to address the social justice reforms. And I think the social justice reforms now are all the more important, uh, especially with the goings on of the protests over the past week. Uh, the the type of social equity that they built into the Illinois law is quite powerful, but it does take some time to work. I mean, we have this R3 program in our Illinois program that uh, attempts to rehabilitate and restore all these disproportionately impacted areas that were blighted by this drug war that has created a whole mess of problems. And then and Dustin and I worked on a couple of applications uh, for these rounds. And yeah, he just mentioned like, well, when are we going to see in Illinois? I don't know. I'm not sure when we're going to see the licenses be announced, but a lot of people that have been planning their businesses are just in a limbo. And I did a a piece on uh, Article 18 of the new law. And so you have to address how are you going to handle ties with uh, these? Because if you're going to do a competitive application and you're going to engender lawsuits because, you know, somebody's going to say it was graded wrong. Uh, and I should have gotten a higher score. Okay. Well, let's say that then everybody ties uh, and they go into a, a lottery. It's just a lot harder to claim that you was wronged uh, unless you weren't in the lottery. But, uh, you know, if that didn't pass in Illinois. So it looks like Illinois may still be fertile ground for litigation. Uh, but, you know, man, I'm just glad that there is some movement in Florida. That would be great. And, I mean, seriously, what do you think Truly is worth? What do you think their license is worth? Like $400 million, you know?
3: They're killing it. Just last quarter, I think they did top-line revenue of almost $100 million. And what's even more impressive than that is that they're actually keeping that money and bringing it to the bottom line. And I think they're... Well, they aren't...
2: That is, that is the contrary of every cannabis stock yeah. I have ever seen. It's like, well, let's look at their earnings per share, negative something, something, something.
3: Yeah, They're just yeah, losing no, money. Yeah. They've, they've done a great job at not only growing revenue, but growing profits. They, they make up over 50% of the market here in Florida. So there's 22 licensees in Florida. Those 22, oh, those 22 licensees, about 13 are operational. But really out of those 13, about five of them make up probably over 80% of the sales and out of those five one of them truly makes up over 50% of the sales so yeah you guys have a
2: google aspect to your state which i don't necessarily like i enjoy the um the ability for entry into this industry and it, it it's conceivable that you know that even a low barrier to entry is still fairly high in this industry because of how regulated it is and most people just don't have an extra 5 to 10 million dollars lying
3: around and yeah, that's and- you
2: know it and, and A lot of people
3: are there. You know, the other thing with the Florida grown case, everyone's all excited. Oh, more licenses. But there's a couple things they need to be concerned about. Number one, we don't know how many licenses they're going to issue. Number two, there's already 22 licenses that have been issued. And there's only almost 400 patients, 400,000 patients in Florida. So, Really, there is a sufficient amount of licenses to currently service the patients right now. So while I certainly advocate for more licenses and I want there to be more licenses, I also respect the economics of the situation and understand that we don't necessarily want to flood the market with licenses when probably once these 22 licenses start becoming fully operational, they should be able to service the patients uh, in our state. So, you know, that's another aspect I think people need to understand, you know, after this Florida grown case, it's not like they're just going to say, all right, let's issue thousands of licenses. They may issue just a few and we all know it's going to be extremely, extremely competitive
2: and expensive. But I, and expensive. I still think that Florida, Illinois, any legalized state can support a craft cannabis industry that uh, which would be different than true leaf i mean i've been to tampa my my siblings live down there and they're a great brewery culture and you go to like one of the breweries in tampa it's not like that was cheap to build like that yeah. brewery still has a high cost barrier to entry what did you think that cannabis was just going to be free to get into no um
3: I love the concept of the craft grow, you know, really it allows way more people to enter the market right now in Florida. There's literally no limitation on the size or the amount of grows that you could have if you have a license. So that's why Florida is really a super license. Not only could you grow process dispense, you could have an unlimited size and actually the dispensary cap actually expired back in April. So really now there's no cap on dispensaries either. So it's really once you have a license in Florida, it's go do whatever it is you want. But, you know, now some of these these uh, licensees are getting a little bit smarter. And I'm working with some of the, the new licensees, a couple of these licenses that have flipped. And they're starting to see the value in not trying to build out like a 100,000 square foot grow. But instead, maybe having 10,000, 15,000 square foot grows spread out throughout the state. So rather than doing something really big now they're even on their own volition doing something somewhat like a craft grow where they're doing smaller grows spread out across the state so they can properly service the entire market because you do a hundred thousand square foot grow or two hundred thousand square foot grow you could just have so many different problems so many issues we have hurricanes in florida so god forbid a hurricane comes so they're starting to build in some redundancy uh, in their operations. So I'm a big fan of craft of grow concept and obviously like the social equity concept, I think, as well. I don't see Florida doing much with social equity. I work very closely with minorities for medical marijuana. Eric Range is the chair for that. He's actually was on several of my applications for Illinois. And, you know, we've talked at length about, you know, what Florida can do from a social equity aspect. And we have some plans and and we're doing some advocacy work and some lobbying. But um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know how successful we'll be with that.
2: Yeah, it's going to be something I and mean, we don't necessarily know. And that's one of the things that it's hard to advise clients. It's like, well, we're not sure. But uh, let's try to do our best and approach this in a, in a reasonable way. And I do enjoy that they're actually approaching it like a business as opposed to a, um, a hustle, a, a stock raising game. Like, you know, you just saw canopy growth right down a billion bucks of loss. I mean, wow. And then talk about big grows. They have a, you know huge canopy space and they're just making all sorts of flour and the price is just crashing. And then I, I don't get how they're going to stay afloat.
3: Well, you just you saw green growth brands. They bought their their Florida license just a few months ago for in, in over forty million dollars, and now they're going trying to you know get into bankruptcy. And you know I've heard rumors on the street for what it's trading at much below what they actually paid for it just a few months ago. And then you have Acreage that did the same thing. Canopy did. You know they went out and bought as many assets as they can. Assets being licenses, and, leveraged them up. And now they, now they don't have the capital to operate. And I'll tell you, here in Florida-
2: Just did a $60 million raise.
3: Acreage is a mess. They spent, I think, $67 million on a license here. And they've opened up one dispensary. And it's really, they just opened it up to to meet the compliance requirements. They're really doing a, a nominal amount of sales. So that was just a complete blunder for Acreage. But then we got MedMen closing down stores in Florida. I mean, we have all the big MSOs are here in Florida. And as everyone knows in the industry, their cash situation is just dire. So it's funny because the dispensary cap went away and you would think everyone would be gobbling up all this uh, dispensary space. But quite the opposite's happening. They're actually closing down dispensary spaces because they don't have... The capital to expand. So it's an interesting situation out here.
2: Well, I like that they're focusing, some of the operators are starting to focus on the bottom line and that's resulting in success. And that, that can bring us into our guest. He's got a new product that he is selling that can help with the bottom line. So the vehicles, because this is cannabis transportation, so, so important. Especially in Florida, where you guys have delivery, It'd be interesting to talk to him about uh, delivery applications as well. And you, because we don't have that yet in Illinois. But let's uh, let's bring
4: on the guest.
1: Hey, hey, Todd, what's going on?
4: Hey, how are you guys doing today?
1: Good. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about NorCal Vans?
4: Uh, yeah, NorCal Vans has been in business for about thirty years, and um, our main um, our main uh, product has been converting full size transit vans um, for the uh, non-emergency medical, commercial style, wheelchair, shuttle bus, that kind of application. And um, here a couple years ago, when California adopted regulations uh, regarding transportation of cannabis, we, uh, we kind of took that on and said, hey, we could do this. It totally kind of out of our market. But um, you know, my wife had an idea. We have some friends in the uh, soil business. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the earthworm soil factory. But um, they kind of put us in touch with um, a company that uh, needed some uh, transport vans, and we developed developed a product, and we've been going with that ever since.
2: You know, that really sounds like the Bovida people. We had the Bovida people on a few months ago, and they had a type of product that was used to maintain relative humidity for uh, musical instruments and for cigars. And then suddenly, after the regulations changed a few years ago in California, they started getting all these orders. For uh, Northern California, for yeah. some reason, and uh, they they've pivoted into it, and now it's one of their uh, chief revenue sources. So it sounds to me like this is an ancillary business which the cannabis industry has provided a new opportunity for.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and you know it, it fits. We convert vans. We we're a Ford pull, so we order the vans directly from Ford, or we work with Ford dealers, and and that's what we do all you know all the time. I mean we you know what before this pandemic we were doing 34 35 units a month so you know we we can move through a lot of vans um and you know it it just totally fit into into our space it was a little challenging to market because you know most of the people that are dealing with non-emergency medical or government agencies and it's a bit challenging to uh throw that out on your website in in terms of the relationship of oh here we're selling all this stuff to the government and now we're you know doing stuff with you know, cannabis fans. Hmm. So it was a bit challenging to uh, kind of deal with that side of it. But um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been promising. It's led us into a lot of areas. You know, we first started with building, um, you know, a front partition and a rear a double door partition in it. And we would disable the slider doors. Then California changed the regulations again. And so we ended up having to go away from that and put a full cage inside the vehicle. So we put a new floor in, we put a full steel you know, steel tube frame cage in the roof and the sides and then a, a cage door in the rear, uh, which then led us to the lock box or the safes. So now most of the units go with a uh, drop chute safe so that they can pull the seat forward, drop the, the cash in or the envelope in, and it goes in the safe so the driver doesn't have access to the safe. So that's working out well. It also led into uh, full insulated interiors. So now we do full insulated interiors and, and cargo air conditioning things. And, and that led into refrigeration units. So now we're actually building full on uh, refrigeration units and we're starting to work into the freezer market.
2: Fascinating. Uh, Well, uh, let's talk then about compliance and what makes a great cannabis transport vehicle. You mentioned a lot of features that go into it. Uh, How do you start designing a, a cannabis transport vehicle for security's sake?
4: Well, the you know the first thing we did was we we, we looked at the regulations and uh, read through the regulations to try to understand um, how that worked. It was a bit challenging because you you know we tried to talk to the um, I forget the name the uh, the local California cannabis um, the people that wrote the regulations to ask him if you know we could get interpretation of our unit and um, they would not really ever respond to us. We actually wrote them a letter and. Um, certified letter, and we never really had a response. We just wanted to say, "Hey, is this meeting your requirements?" And we we could never get that response. So we do our best to interpret the law. Um, you know, it says no part of the body can be part of the cage. So we we took that into now we have to build in it. No part of the body can be part of the lockbox. So that's where we had to go and build a full you know 360 degree cage in the inside the vehicle. Um, there's there's some kind of GPS tracking. We do that in a couple ways. We do that with security cameras. So the security camera system we offer um, has the DVR and, and the, it also has GPS full GPS tracking. Mm-hmm. And we also offer an alarm system with the remote start that has full GPS tracking. So kind of do it either way. Um, in fact, the refrigeration system that we offer, which is electric system, has uh, telematics built into it. So it has GPS tracking. Um, You know, the the lockbox, some people offer a real inexpensive lockbox that goes under the seat or a center console lockbox to meet that requirement. Or, you know, a lot of people go for um, a safe. In fact, I had a customer call me today. He just purchased a vehicle and he is like, well, you know, your safe that you're put in here is just too small. I'm surely not used to dealing with cash. Especially and
2: not was, cash in pounds, you know. Like, well, how much does a hundred thousand dollars weigh? I don't know. It,
4: yeah. Well, I mean, at the safe that we're putting in is like eighteen by eighteen by eighteen, and he said I it's stuffed, I, and he could not make his second delivery.
2: Wow, yeah, that's one of the t- the trade offs of the cash only business, and we hope that the regulation at the federal level with the Safe Banking Act catches up because then that safe while still going to need to be there and important would become less so like, you know, it's not gonna be so jammed with hundreds and twenties. That's fascinating. So then uh, is your, you mentioned a product in the green room that you guys have developed, which I think is interesting because it helps reduce the barriers to entry because this sounds like a fairly expensive piece of machinery that you need for your cannabis company to be able, especially in Illinois, where you have to have this transporter license as soon as they're issued to be able to uh, ship cannabis from point A to point B. So if I was in Illinois, would I have to order a, a, a custom made uh, vehicle and have it shipped from Northern California?
4: Yeah, that is just not feasible to ship a vehicle across the United States like that. So what we have kind of um, started on and we're just kind of launching here, I think this week, our, our um, we're launching on a, another website, but um we're gonna provide a canna cage. So what that is is just a kit of these panels and B pillar and all these pieces that you can purchase and we can ship to you and you can have your local, you know, your local upfitter install it. You can have your local mechanic install it or if you wanna take it on, you can install it. So it it reduces, you know, we wanted to open the market up so we can get across the whole United States wherever it's needed. And we know people are not gonna ship a vehicle from Illinois to California to have us put you know, a ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollar conversion on it. So yeah, it's a pretty expensive thing. Some of these go up. I just sold one the other day for a freezer van. It was a twenty-eight thousand dollar conversion. Wow. On top of the chassis.
2: Now what products are they shipping that they want the freezing?
4: I'm a lot of um, a lot of the oils. Hmm. Well,
2: I know that the terpenes are volatile, especially over like 70 degrees. So I could see that they would want um, like air conditioning and keeping it cool to protect the terps and the flavor of the the flour and oils that they're shipping. But uh, that's that's pretty interesting that it could be an extra twenty eight thousand dollars if you want to do all the bells and whistles. Uh, However, like that's I remember the regulations in Illinois. It's probably fairly similar to the regulations in California, the amount of the security that goes into it with a lockbox, but then also the technology with the GPS. Uh, Dustin, how is the regulation in Florida regarding the transportation of the product?
3: Yeah, so in Florida, back to the vertically integrated model, we have to grow, process, dispense, and deliver uh, the marijuana. So that one entity needs to do that. So you cannot contract out for delivery, um, and there's not a specific license for delivery either. So it is really... The very same entity that is growing it is processing it, is dispensing it, and is delivering it. Um, so you do have to have it. You know, they have the the seed to sale system where you're you're going to have to track it. You're going to need a transportation manifest. Uh, in Florida, they require two people in the vehicle at all times. Um, you know, there's certain certain requirements there, but um, nothing. They don't really have too much information re- regarding you know, what the, the cage and, and, and the type of items that need to be a part of the vehicle um, here in Florida. I'd imagine as they start licensing delivery companies or transport companies, um, they might start to round out some of those requirements. But I think right now they probably feel pretty secure being that it is the same entity um, that is growing it and dispensing it That's that's also delivering it. So it's not changing hands as, as many times but um certainly transportation has become extremely important here in florida especially with the the pandemic so you know we're we're definitely i think i think as things go eventually horizontal i think the delivery life licenses will definitely be something that will be highly sought after
2: so there's dustin there's there's delivery in florida right if i was a medical yeah. patient. Yeah. Uh, what, and is there's no regulation on like, so it could be pulling up with an, and it's a the pickup truck, some guy with my, my, my medicine.
3: Yeah. There, there's really not much as far as the actual, there's vehicle. There's some regulations, but mainly they, you know, they require you have a transportation manifest. They require that, um, you know, if you're bringing it to a third party testing lab or you're delivering it to a patient that, you know, you have to track, you know, have a, so someone sign off for it. So, Basically, everyone that touches that plant um, or that product is going to have to show up in that seed-to-sale system so that it, it's all tracked and traced the entire time. Hmm. But right now, there's not there's not a huge amount of regulations with respect to the actual vehicle that, that needs to be used. In fact, I think a lot of them are using Prius um, right. to, to deliver product. I know even in Illinois, I think we actually listed for our delivery application the Prius since there was a big push for the environmentally friendly vehicles oh Um, no
2: i i I didn't list a prius i listed more of a cannabis transportation uh like you know the stuff that norcal builds simply because it has the security and the regulations that they called for the security and then also the gps and stuff because the thing in the illinois law is different than in the florida law in the sense that there is no delivery uh you just this 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 cannabis transporter license is a to B. So like you pick yeah. it up from the manufacturer, you take it to uh, the retail uh, outlet, and then you make sure that it's safe You make sure the cash is accounted for and that uh, the product is tracked, of course. Uh, and so, so Todd, uh, how much is one of these, uh, uh, modification kits that I could then have my local guy
4: do? If, you know, with all, as we talked earlier, there's a lot of different options, right? So, if you look at a base package, I think we're selling it somewhere around forty-five hundred dollars for a Transit Connect, which is nice. a popular unit. Yeah. Um, and then it goes up from there. You know, then you go up into the six, seven thousand dollars range for a mid roof, low roof. You know, there, you know, the, the four Transits, there's a lot of variety of them. Um, we've all also started kind of going into the Ram ProMaster and the and the Sprinter. Um, we've had some calls on the uh, Nissan NV two hundred and the um, the other. Um, other unit, but, you know, we pretty much have to build it here first because I have to see it and design around it. And then, you know, we have our own fabrication shop where we build, we build the steel tube frame and the expanded steel and put all the locks on and get it all powder cut. We do all that right here in, in-house. Um, wow. so we don't, you know, the safe, we have to buy the safe, but we put a kit together on, you know, the bolts and the hardware and, and in a good instruction sheet on how you put it together. Um, you know, I, the alarm system, I will probably direct people to go buy the alarm system at their local place. It's just not going to be cost effective for me to sell them a kit that they'd have to take down to have somebody install. Um, the security camera system, I think we can go either way. And in the security camera, it's pretty expensive parts, but I think I can put together a good instruction sheet and the, the all the pieces. So they buy one package and they get everything they need that, uh, that works with it rather than having to select this camera, this camera, and all those other pieces. So
2: Well, yeah, that's great because like there's Ford connects everywhere. And, you know, Illinois is a lot closer to Detroit. Not saying they're made in Detroit, but then having like the make and model and specs, then you're like, okay, I know exactly what I'm building to. And then you could uh, manufacture your uh, your security cages and
4: stuff. That's that is correct. We actually uh, we we did this a a couple months ago with the company out of uh, Michigan. They called us. We we had it ready. We were in the process of kind of developing the packaging for it. And they called us and say, hey, let's do this. And, um, we shipped them our first can of cage kit for transit connect. I followed up a couple weeks later. They said it went great installed. Great customer was happy. Um, you know, and then, then everything slowed down.
2: Yeah, everything sure did. I tell you, um, hopefully one day it'll open up and, and Dustin and I will see how much or if any of our clients won. And if there was a lottery or who knows, it could be a complete mess. Uh, where have you been seeing a lot of phone calls coming from uh, for no, NorCal vans recently?
4: You know, in the last week or so, I've gotten a lot of um, interest in California. And then, um, you know, a, a month or so ago, I was taking five, 10 calls a day from Illinois. I mean, call after call after call from Illinois. I haven't really heard anything from Florida, but, you know, I can see why. There's no real requirement for the transportation on it. Right. Um A lot of it in Michigan. I've gotten some calls from, you know, Arkansas, Oklahoma, you know, uh, Missouri. So it's kind of all over. But but uh, Illinois has been a really, really uh, hot spot, not sold anything. You know, (laughs) no one's no one's ever placed an order from that area.
2: I know why I can tell you the reason is because they all wanted you on your application. And so now you're on all these applications. And then once they win or lose or draw or whatever in about like, Four months, let's say that phone of yours will explode again from all those people from Illinois that now want to make those orders because they've won making representations to the state. And so that is a condition of their license. And so when you were explaining this new product, I'm like, hmm, because I use NorCal for my my applications, because I'm like, you know, it looks like they're hitting the statute like they they're compliant with what they're trying to look at. And it looks like this is a safe, secure vehicle that has the GPS, it has the cameras, it has the, um, you know, the safe, it has the, the cage, you know, and, it, and it, one of the things that I did wasn't necessarily a Prius, but it was we're in Illinois. So ethanol, we, we grow corn. So they, you know, they like to say that ethanol is more carbon neutral because it was farmed here and then it stays here or whatever. Uh, and so we were able to do that, but there's, we still don't know how many applications in Illinois were filed for the transportation, or for the infuser, or for the uh, craft grower licenses, and and that's something that we don't know. I mean, it's it's really annoying because they stopped, and the reason why the phone calls probably stopped about May first was that was when their applications were due on April thirtieth. All the applications had to be postmarked and out the door, and so because of that, uh, you know, then you're late, and so like nobody's going to call afterwards. Sure. But once they announce who wins. Those phone calls will pop up real quick.
4: Well, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, we put a lot of effort into it. And then, you know, it took a lot of time to put all those quotes together. And, you know, especially on stuff you really haven't built yet, you have to kind of do some estimation. And, um, you know, manufacturing, it's all about volume. I mean, the more we can, the more orders we can get, the more I can I can make it efficient in the production floor. You know, right. Building one-offs is not our, That's it doesn't make any money for us building custom units.
2: Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Um, Dustin, you got any questions?
3: No, no. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting hearing all the requirements that are that are out there in California. I know Illinois has its own set of requirements. I guess one of my, my questions would be, is there any kind of new technology that you see coming on online that you think will help um, further secure and make it safe to deliver. For example, I know there's there's an issue with the actual drivers making sure there's controls in place so that they're not diverting any product or any of the cash into other areas. I've heard different people uh, talking about using GPS systems um, where it could actually be controlled remotely and it only opens and closes upon delivery to the actual Um, customer or patient, depending on where you are. Um, Are there any like cutting edge technologies you're seeing that you think could potentially really change the game with delivery?
4: Yeah, there's one that we've been working with a company um, related to uh, Illinois somewhere um, that that they were going to put us together with another company that dealt with a bunch of RFID. And their concept would be they'd have a whole entire security system in the van with cameras and RFID. And it would, it would know everything that's in that van at any given time. And if it left, anybody opened the door, it would take another inventory of everything in that van each time. And so the concept was, is we would take our cage and we would put lockers in it. You know, it individual lockers that would be locked. And so the driver would know what locker to open up when he was making a delivery, but um, but it would also track it all through GPS and the RFID and know what package went out of the van and, and stayed in the van at every opportunity, you know, at every option. So that's a big one. And then, you know, it seems, seems uh, really relatively simple, but the the drop chute or the the rear loading safe is a pretty big one right off the bat. You know, the driver doesn't have access to open that safe up. So if you have any issue with somebody trying to rob it, they don't have access to open that safe up. You only have, you know, what can go down that chute. So, you know, in that respect, that, that reduces a lot of the security requirements for it. Um, that's, about, that's about all that I'm aware of in, the, in coming up. When we first started ours, we really wanted to do it a little bit more cost effectively. We, we didn't want an armored car. We didn't want, you know, plated windows and steel plate. We wanted to do it, you know, to meet the law, but, but make it right so that, you know, somebody doesn't have this huge cost of entry into it. And that's where we kind of came up with a, you know, a a tube frame, you know, steel mesh cage rather than, you know, what some of the other people are doing. Um, You know, I could add fancy locks. I can put digital locks on my cage doors. I can do all this stuff. But it all costs more money. So what everybody wants to do.
2: And I think one of the reasons when you see it like that. Uh, that has to, that's a byproduct of the competitive licensing system where the license application is a condition of your license. And so when you're trying to you're scraping for points to beat somebody out. So if you say that you're going to do that premium, excellent, it's going to be super secure. And the other guy is just going to have, you know, the, the entry model. That may be why they're doing it. But uh, in Illinois, like you don't have to. It's not an exclusive license. You just have to get over a certain level and you're issued one for the transportation aspect. So bringing the cost of the barrier of entry is is excellent. And uh, and I also like the name, the Canicage. cage. Did you guys come up with that?
4: My, my wife did, yes.
2: Nice. Yeah, all right. She's in charge of marketing. I, I enjoy <laughs> that. Oh, no, Dustin, you've gone dark on us. Dustin's no, back. All right.
3: <laughs> Sorry about that.
2: It could have been you know, the... I was going to
3: say that you know the cost thing is important that a lot of the dispensaries messed up which we talked about at the beginning of the show the mso spending all that money they spent all this money making their dispensaries look like apple stores and i think now a lot of these dispensaries are starting to scale back and say all right let's be more let's be more cost efficient here and just make a dispensary that that gives our our customer what he really is looking for. And I think it's the same thing you're talking about with, with the vehicle. You know, you, you could have, you could put all the bells and whistles, but at the end of the day, um, if you could do something a little bit more cost effective and, and the customer's happy, just as good, if not better.
4: Yes. Uh, the other thing I'd like to mention and you, talked about the, um, the environment we uh, we do offer uh, hybrid kits on the Ford on the full size Ford transits. So, you know, we can reduce the cost, you know, the, the uh, mileage, um, miles per gallon, increase in miles per gallon, and it actually has a return on investment. So it's pretty positive. Whereas some of the electric conversions, you know, we can do an electric conversion on a full-size transit, but there's almost, you know, it has hundreds of thousands of miles before you can go to a return on investment. But, you know, if people are looking for that. We do have both of those options as well. Hmm.
2: Well, that's pretty reasonable. I might have to uh, update my applications for the transporter license for next round. And the, uh, the transporter license application round in Illinois appears to be an annual tradition. That was just started this year. Uh, it'll be open again next uh, February, I believe. It's actually in the um, emergency rules that they came out with in the state. Uh, but that's that's really cool that you would be able to then address your environmental and then also your security and then also your um, your bottom line in the sense that you're not just spending money because you have it. Um, that's really, really an interesting aspect to it. Hmm. So this, this whole new revenue stream for your business is how many years old?
4: Uh, we started in 2018, we went down to, well, we got a call from a customer, um, Flocana. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Flocana, but they ordered six, um, six units from us. We actually built a demo unit, took it down to the show in um, San Jose, California, the cannabis show down there. Nice. And um, we were one of two vehicles at that show. Um, you know, I've been to a lot of shows in my life regarding, uh, you know, truck equipment stuff, but I've never handed out more flyers than I did at that show. Um, you know, I think we handed out 500 flyers in a matter of 12 hours to show. Um, and, you know, we had a small transit connect, which is, you know, cost effective by itself and is pretty fuel efficient. Um, and that's where it started. And we've been doing that ever since. And, you know, it picked up pretty dramatically there last at the end of last year. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're so new into it. We're learning the, um, the highs and lows in terms of the product. You know, right around harvest time, everybody wants a vehicle. But but harvest time not all the time. And so you have these lows. And, you know, this, this fall, you know, September, I want to put a couple vehicles in stock. So I have them when they call. Rather mm-hmm. than they call and say, "Oh, well, I can't get a vehicle for a couple months. Plus, it's going to take me a month to build it." So, you know, it's just a learning experience regarding um, making sure you have the right, right components, the right stock, and the right vehicles for the for what the customer wants.
2: That's fascinating. The outdoor crop is what you guys we aren't allowed to have an outdoor crop. No, really. uh, Dustin, outdoor crop in
3: Florida absolutely not you guys
2: have better sun and humidity and and temperature and it's it's mild at night you guys could grow some darn good outdoor cannabis
3: we got some tough humidity out here though it's it's a challenge but i'll tell you it also depends on on how you define enclosed you know in florida they they use the language it needs to be enclosed enclosed and It seems like really what they're getting at there, there needs to be some sort of walls and some sort of roof. And the DOH likes there to be um, not grass on the floor. So a lot of people overlook the floor. You know, you may have to drop some cement on the floor to to make it enclosed. But at the end of the day, you know, people I've seen some hoop houses that are not what you would envision is as, as enclosed you know so it's a, it's kind of a loose interpretation of, of what enclosed space is. but there's some
2: greenhouses at least that are bringing the price uh, of the ounce down in florida
3: yeah for sure for sure it's the and, and the ac units are what really kills people i mean they're being quoted out at 200 dollars per square foot uh when you're putting hvac in so you know that that drives the cost of your grow up tremendously
4: well, I'm, I'm a farmer. I mean, I grew up on a farm and have lived on a farm, and I I, I have yet to see why everything has to be grown in a greenhouse. Yeah, uh, well,
3: I've been spending a lot of time. I was actually just uh, yesterday. We went to go see a bunch of marijuana grows in Florida. One of my clients is looking to buy one here, and uh, it's interesting talking to everyone. everyone. has a different opinion about whether you need HVAC, whether you could do outdoor, whether you should do greenhouses, whether you need full indoor and every grower's got something else to say, and it's kind of hard. i'm I'm not a farmer. I'm an attorney, but it's interesting hearing everyone's perspective on it and and trying to make sense of it all.
2: Yeah, I think the regulations bear some responsibility for why it can't be grown outside. I mean, Illinois hemp was just fine last year. we We grew a lot of hemp flour out outside. Uh, and you know, there's no reason that that CBD couldn't have been THC. It would have brought the price down substantially uh however we have very similar regulations where it must be grown in, in an enclosed locked space and then they just dis- define enclosed rock space but they do actually provide greenhouse and then it just becomes all right well let's talk about the climate control in illinois what are your what are your temperature swings well in february it might be negative 20. yeah uh, but in in july or august it might be a hundred and so yeah. that's a huge swing um if you're trying to do a light depth greenhouse in Florida where maybe at 110 to 68 or 58, something like that, you know, a little bit easier to keep it between uh, because the plant really doesn't like when it gets between, you know, less than 70, more than 85 or so, you know, Uh, and that's one of the reasons why these, these, indoor farms, insulated indoor farms in Illinois, I think are so popular. But I have heard that there are some of the providers that do have uh, light depth greenhouses out there. And, you know, you might have to just ensure that you have a good insulation, but then uh, you're able to get some sun and then you'd have to supplement with a few lights. But that is what I hear is your your loss leader at the uh, at the dispensaries, like the $25 eighths. Uh, Dustin, do they have $25 eighths in Florida?
3: Eh, not quite, not quite. But I will tell you, you know, one of the things that you know everyone talks about having the highest quality flour, and I think uh, in the beginning, I think people were intrigued by it. But we're seeing that the the best sellers are just a good, you know, not the best quality flour, but decent quality flour at a, at a good price is is really where I think the money is that for for a lot of these growers so if you could if you could produce it at a at a relatively cheap cost and and not sacrifice all the quality i think you could do very well in in all these markets really awesome
2: hey todd was cannabis deemed essential in california
3: yes absolutely
2: that's fantastic so covid i mean yeah COVID affected my business negatively it's you said that it your business kind of like went quiet but it seems that the essential business of cannabis has just exploded. Like people are buying more of it.
4: That's what I've heard. Um, there's no local dispensaries here in our county, but um, you know, in California, it was definitely deemed essential. Um, and yeah, we had a huge drop off with the with this COVID nineteen, and uh, you know, we had to lay off over half of our staff, and wow. we're still not. We're still worried about making it through because you know Ford shut down, and we do all Ford vehicles. Well, we're not seeing vehicles until July or August.
2: Yeah, but you still get expenses. The, the utility company still wants me to pay them.
4: Yeah, and the building lease and the building and the loan and you know all that stuff doesn't go away.
2: Yeah, that's that's scary. So what would federal legalization mean for uh, NorCal vans, you think, and the, the cannabis transportation industry?
4: Well, I, I think if if they could do a federal and they did it so that it had similar regulations, which Um, you know, California likes to be first in a lot of regulations and then, you know, a lot of other States like to adopt them. I've, I've dealt with CARB, California Air Resources Board for years. And, um, you know, if if it followed in that direction, it would be good for NorCal because there's a standard regulation across all the States. And if it related to the transportation, you know, there's going to be a huge market opening up because, you know, Oregon, there's a lot of people that try to move it across the state lines. Well, in Oregon, you don't need any of this transportation stuff. In California, you do, and the same thing in Nevada. So, you know, we have people that, that work and do stuff in Oregon, but they transport it in California. They need one of our vehicles or one of our conversions. So, it would it would be a a big thing for it to be um, you know federalized if they had those regulations surrounding it uh, for NorCal vans, uh, especially if we um, got this canning cage and we were able to mass produce these kits. And make them cost-effective to ship out throughout the whole United States. Um, I think, you know, I think that it really makes sense. So you, you know, the, I talked to the guy earlier today, and he was he was getting stacks of a um, hundred dollars and five dollar bills and trying to put them in a safe. And they drove all the way down to Los Angeles, trying to make two runs with a large van they just purchased, and they had to drive back because the safe was full and they couldn't fit all the cash into it. Well, I mean. Why would they need to do cash? Every other commodity out there is not in cash. I mean, I, we grow almonds and walnuts. I mean, we, we, could you imagine doing millions of pounds of almonds and walnuts in cash? No. It, it no, make- and I'm a, I was an agricultural
2: lawyer. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up a chapter on a secured transaction, you know, for, for the agriculture industry in Illinois. And I've seen two-party checks from the sale of grain proceeds. They're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. If you don't want that.
4: You did get the check. check. How, yeah, how how you paper? Say, you
3: know, how well, Todd, I, Todd, well, I think that uh, that 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 brings up another good point. You know, standardization in this industry is so important. Right now, all the states are doing different stuff, and I don't know if you're familiar with ASTM D37, but that's a subcommittee of ASTM on cannabis, and I they draft different global standards uh, related to cannabis. I, I've helped with a couple of those standards, and I would think that um, it's pretty ripe for there to be a standard drafted on what those vehicles should look like nationally, globally, because um, it's really important that, you know, especially as federal legalization uh, comes about, hopefully soon. But, you know, we don't know. But when it does, it's very important that these states don't have all these patchwork ways of dealing with things, because if you're in a van in California and you're complying with the California law, but then you drive it into Oregon, and your van doesn't comply with Oregon law, it's a complete mess. So, I think having ASTM D37 and Thomas, I know you cited to ASTM D37 a lot in your application. Yeah, but um, I'm going to be
2: like reaching out to them to have them because that's it's so important, especially for the interstate commerce. Uh, because I mean, can you imagine if uh, I don't know of any other like commodity or industry where it is this is kind of like you know Europe before uh, the euro. And so every little state is its own little kingdom and rules and regulations. And there's no interstate shipments whatsoever of them. So uh, it can make companies like uh, like NorCal Vans have a challenge, because imagine if you're trying to mass produce a of cage, but you can't. There's the Illinois canna cage. There's California canna cage. There's the Arizona canna cage. Yeah, it's,
4: yeah, it's crazy. Standardization is is critical in all those environments. Um, you know, I've been in the automotive industry for 25 years and it, you have to, you have to have standardization. And, and, um, and I think the idea of the cash is literally ridiculous. I, I mean, think about the security and safety if you didn't have to carry cash around. I mean, it would change the whole playing field of it.
3: And the passing of the coronavirus, which is why they're trying to put the safe banking provisions, uh, in this uh, new Corona bill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing
4: I would add is, is the, um, uh, oh, the, the concept of, of, um, oh, I just lost it. Sorry. It's all right.
2: It's probably all the medical, uh, edibles that we've, we've been having.
4: Uh, <laughs> Todd, thank
1: you so much for joining us today. Before we go, we did have a question from our co-host. Miggy said, do your trucks, are your trucks built with scales or sensors to make, to measure, uh, to monitor weight for the transportation?
4: Um, no, our vans don't have any scales or, um, or sensors to monitor the weight of it. Um, you know, we literally just build a internal cage in, in the back of the van and allow the customer to decide how he wants to package and what he wants to put in there. Um, you know, again, if you're just putting flour or plants in, it's, it's going to be really difficult to overload one of those vans.
1: All right. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Where can we go to follow or find NorCal Vans?
4: Um, Nor, NorCal or um, yeah NorCalVans.com um, www.nor-calvans.com. And, um, and we have some information on the Canna Cage there. And then there's a, a new site, I'm sorry, I don't recall it, but uh, if you search for Canna Cage, um, it should be out there and we're gonna start releasing that product.
1: Awesome, we'll throw those links in the description. Dustin, thanks for coming on the guest host. Where can we find or follow you if we have any questions about Florida?
3: MrCannabisLaw.com um, and then also on Instagram or Facebook, at Facebook, MrCannabisLaw as well, so. Thanks
2: for coming on, Dustin. I really appreciate it. And Todd, it was a great, uh, illuminating conversation that a lot of people are interested in because a lot of people in Illinois want to get into the cannabis transportation game. And if you guys wanted to get a copy of my book about the uh, history of the cannabis laws in America and also why they're unconstitutional, go ahead and email me at tom at com and tell me your address. And uh, the first one that does that, I'll mail you a book. Got to go to the post office now, actually.
1: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Sunday.
4: Thank you for having us. Thank you.